0: Today for this episode, I have my dear friend and mentor, author, coach, healer, Kristen Brown on the podcast. And we've had many conversations around the topics of ADHD, trauma, healing in general. So I'm excited to have her back. Welcome, Kristen.
1: Thank you so much, Roman. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Me too. Me too. It is my pleasure. Because you're such a wealth of of knowledge and experience and wisdom. And uh, I always enjoy uh, being inspired in your presence and learning from you and just seeing where it goes. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about ADHD. We're going to talk about trauma. We're going to talk about people pleasing. Kristen wrote an amazing book called The Recovering People Pleaser. Uh, If you haven't ordered it yet, go to Amazon right now. Kristen Brown, The Recovering People-Pleaser, an amazing book. I've read it. It opened my eyes because I thought I was kind of a people-pleaser, but oh no, (laughs) I'm a people-pleaser. And now recovering. So uh, definitely check that out. So let's start with, um, you had some thoughts around uh, trauma and uh, we talked about trauma being really more of a, a symptom when it comes to, or ADHD being more of a symptom, right? And then tracing that back to like, what happened in childhood, yeah. right? So so what comes up when I say uh, trauma could trigger these behaviors that we call symptoms, like ADHD behaviors?
1: I was thinking about, this is something I thought about for a long time when the whole narrative of what initially started out as ADD came along. And then it turned into ADHD along the way. And so I'm just a person who doesn't, take things at topical level all the time. I need to investigate these things. And that doesn't necessarily mean doing a bunch of physical research on the on the internet. It's really connecting with my higher self and saying, what feels true to me? And when things don't feel true to me, or I feel like there's a question mark involved with something, then I really investigate that thing. Because I do know that slapping labels on things is can really hurt people can be very detrimental. And this is actually a topic that I want to talk about as well on my YouTube channel, because people will identify with that label. And they think it's done. One and done. I'm this, that's the end, it's not going to get any better. So when it came to ADHD, I really, I really watched people in my life, who claimed that they had ADHD, or they were told they had ADHD. And I I started to draw parallels because I'm, I'm just an innate researcher. I've been a researcher of human nature my whole life. And I don't have a bunch of letters behind my name, but that doesn't take away from what I see and the information that I take in. And I started to notice that there was a pattern with people. And these were people that likely had lots of trauma in their childhood. And this doesn't necessarily mean that someone was killed in front of them. It doesn't have to be that type of trauma. Some type of trauma... That rocked their world, scared them and sent their nervous system into fight or flight, which is really survival mode. And what I've learned, and this is based on the talks and information from Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is just, to me, one of the most amazing and brilliant minds in this world that is is shifting the entire healing experience on its ear, like incredibly so based on through particular meditations and retraining the brain. And so I heard this from him one time and I said, yes, 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 that's that's what I feel. And he said that when we are in the survival mode, when our brain has been activated, when our nervous system has been activated, we go into fight or flight that many times people will stay there and some people can stay there through their entire life. But what also happens is what looks like symptoms of ADHD, which is things like, inability to logic, sometimes reasoning, forgetful, inability to focus, um, easily distracted, these type of things can show up in people's lives. And what I've, what I have come to the conclusion with being not a doctor in any of those things, and I will not claim that I am, is that I have seen that over and over and over again in people who have claimed they have adhd and so just a quick thing is i have someone in my life a personal family member in my life that has this and they're you know someone on the you know not my blood relative and i started to really work with this person regarding their nervous system and i will tell you that the symptoms of adhd have decreased incredibly
0: yeah yeah and thanks for saying that because uh this brings up the word dissolve that i use a lot um i'm a big believer like you just basically proved again and i've seen it with our own son that these so-called symptoms can be dissolved over time it can't happen overnight like with a pill well hey it could but that's a whole nother conversation but really, to naturally heal and dissolve these symptoms uh, that we associate with ADHD, right, is possible. And you just hit the nail on the head. The nervous system, right, is the central system that reacts to, uh, in this case, threats that come at us from the environment, right. And when we get stuck in the flight, the fight, flight mode, um, it's hard to think of anything else. It's hard to do anything else because the brain isn't functioning and the, with the executive functions that we need, right? And I just want to, and I've I've brought this up one of the earlier episodes here. Uh, this is relating to what you were saying too, is that there's an overlap between trauma symptoms and ADHD symptoms. And I have this, I got this diagram from Peter Levine that I interviewed. He's one of the top trauma experts. And I'm just going to read them to you because it just, again, validates what you just said. Like the overlap of those two, trauma and ADHD, is actually restlessness, hyperactivity, easily distracted, difficulty concentrating, hard time listening, difficulty sleeping and disorganized. I mean, if you hear that, you think of ADHD, but it's actually also associated with trauma. So yeah. which one is it? Yes. Right. That's the age old conversation is chicken or the egg. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think uh, comes first?
1: I I think when we come here, we are whole and perfect. And we know nothing other than our divinity. We know nothing other than our light, our wholeness, everything about us. But as the brain starts to form, okay, because first when we come here, zero to two years old, we are mostly in the delta brainwave state. And in that state, that's why babies sleep a lot, because they're mostly in delta. And then from two to six, they move into alpha. So they're starting to become more conscious of their environment. Okay, I'm sorry, they move into theta first from two to six excuse me. And they're starting to kind of become more conscious. And then in the theta state, you can look at that as sort of that sort of half awake dream state that we might feel. Sometimes we wake up in the morning where we're conscious, but not fully completely a conscious. And then from six to 12, we move into the alpha brainwave state. And from 12 on, we move into beta high end, those type of things, which is that really high critical thinking, bringing information in and processing it. So But during the time in that alpha from six to 12, then we're really waking up to the outside environment and we're starting to take in information, okay, from our parents, from friends, from society, from all these things, plus the traumas, whether they're lower T or capital T trauma, which means are they a hardcore Mac daddy? Or is it just like, you know, something that really just rocked your world? Well, these type of things will start, we'll start taking in information. Our brain's going to form information around these experiences. And it's going to say most often, because we're going to process it also now through the newly forming ego, that's going to say we're not enough. So all of these things combined, like there's a lot happening here. However, it, not everybody turns into symptoms of ADHD, Okay, it can be other things like we've talked about earlier, it could be people pleasing, it could also be narcissistic, which is kind of shocking, because the body is the brain is trying to find a way to get its needs met. So it's going to either turn into the over giver, where we over accommodate, <clears throat> try to please everybody around us to get these needs met, or we turn into the overtaker, which is what people are calling narcissism, which is a whole nother narrative in and of itself. Because these days, everybody's, everybody's calling everybody a narcissist. Yeah, But, you know, turn into those type of behaviors. And so it's usually one or the other, then you combine that fight flight, survival mode that people are stuck in, and it's really going to go haywire. So there's a there's a lot that can go on with a person.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned something earlier when we spoke about this idea that the people pleaser really is trying to get some sense of control when around yes. certain certain people, right? Can you say more about that? Like about this idea of like feeling out of control and needing to like hang on to something?
1: Absolutely. Because we get the message that there's something wrong with us and that we're not enough. And that happens organically because either people are telling us that straight up, like we're being verbally or mentally abused, or our our ego, which is trying to keep us small and stuck, is starting to just say, oh, yeah, yeah, don't do that, don't do this, play small, don't be your whole self. See, when you laughed loud over there, those people gave you a funny look, Right. So these like tiniest nuances of things can happen to us. And we start to form these limiting beliefs. And these beliefs are typically, I'm not enough, or there's something wrong with me, or it can go into shame and deep shame, which is I am bad. I'm actually bad. We'll start to think that we're we're really messed up. And so a person who processes all of this through the overgiving, what they, their brain concocts is that, okay, to get love approval acceptance and attention then i need to dim my light play small be a yes man over accommodate and do all of these this was me that's that's the category that i fell into is where i wrote the book the recovering people pleaser but this is not any less toxic let's say let's just use that word Than the narcissistic traits, because one, the narcissist, narcissist type person tends to abuse and use other people where a people pleaser tends to abuse self. So neither one is better than the other. It's just how it showed up in the world. So we start to do all of these things to get love, approval and acceptance and attention because our worthiness cup, our worth is empty. Yes, So we think the outside world is the answer. But yeah. it's
0: not no it's not i'm <laughs> learning that the hard way right now in my life and it's a good lesson uh it's another story but um yeah this idea that as a people pleaser you're not only in a way abandoning yourself right because you're you're sort of agreeing with others or you're uh, uh becoming someone in the moment that you think they want you to be so that they have they keep the peace and you're in control but also i think uh it's it's presenting an inauthentic self so we're actually lying to people right lying to ourselves and as a recovering people pleaser i see this everywhere now when i look back in my past right i see this in past relationships my marriage and in business relationships, whatever whatever you want to name there but it's amazing how this inauthenticity has become almost like a reflex. It's so hard to unlearn,
1: Mm -hmm. you know? Well, because we've moved, like I said, when we first come here, we're whole and perfect. But as these messages come, we're moving further and further and further and further away from our authentic nature. And that becomes our wiring. So people like, I've known people that are, that so easily lie. It's so easy for them. And these, some, some of the times, these are really amazing people, like, good humans, but they lie. Why? Because that was a construct that happened along the way to get their needs met. So which like you said, it's kind of the programming, it just starts, it comes out so easily. Yeah. You know, part of I wrote down here that when you were saying that we're moving away from our authentic self, many times we don't know that we are. And we have to give ourselves grace and compassion for this because we I call us teeny tiny baby humans. That's what we are. We're little toddlers on this planet. We're trying to to do the things. We're trying to get our needs met. We've got this brain, this survival mode. We've got all of these things, defense mechanisms that are kicking in. And really what we really want is just to feel loved, accepted, and belonged. So we will shift and morph and change who we are to try to fit into whatever, get this, whatever story we told ourselves about what we think this particular person wants from us. So if I think, oh, Roman wants fun Kristen, then I would naturally go into fun girl mask and mode because that's what I'm thinking you want. What if that's not what you want? What if you want serious intellectual Kristen? See what I'm saying? And then as soon as I found that out, boom, people pleaser would switch into serious intellectual because we've moved so far from ourselves, we fractured from that self. And this is one of the big things that I talked about in my first book, From Doormat to Sweet Empowerment, was who am I? One of the best questions that I asked myself was, who am I? Because I didn't know that I could be, that I was morphing and chameleoning and doing these things. Yeah. I, I, I be, for In my particular case, I wasn't over the top that way because... I was raised with four brothers. I'm pretty outspoken. You know, there's, there's a lot of nuances to our personality. So again, this is not across the board with every single person and it's a hundred percent there. It is a spectrum. Okay. It It is is a continuum. Right. And um, you know, one of the things that I had to ask myself was who am I, what am I trying to get? What am I trying to do? And then I realized that I had fractured from my authentic self and shockingly so many people in my life, because it is true, said to me, you're so real, because I am so honest and outspoken and, and these type of things. But there was, yes, yes, and there was yeah, a level yeah. of authenticity that a part of me that I was keeping hidden unconsciously, or just watching my environment to see, is this Okay. Yeah. Is it okay to be this part? And if it wasn't, that thing came sucking right back in.
0: And you know, it's interesting when you talk about telling the truth or lying. I recently heard a, a quote that I is my new favorite quote. It's by Jordan Peterson. And some people hate him, some people love him, you know. Uh, I like I, him. I, I like him too. And I think uh, you know, it's unfair to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because if you don't agree with certain things he says or someone else says. Uh, it's still important to listen with a clear mind and go, does that have some truth, right? And what he said was brilliant. He said, try telling the truth from now on and see where it takes you. And to me, just hearing that statement, it's almost like somebody opens up this, this. I can't explain it, a door to another universe and you have no idea where it would go. But because I speak for myself, I've been a, a fairly inauthentic human and I'm getting better at it uh, to tell the truth because of my traumas and because of my people pleasing and because of my checking out and my numbing out mechanisms that I chose, right? One ends up, ended up being ADHD like behavior because of all of that, like you said, I have grace for myself at the same time. There's this new wonder of like, wait a minute. So if I started more and more catching myself, telling the truth, right, to anybody I meet, to including myself, where would it take me? And another great thing I heard Jordan Peterson say recently, somebody asked him in an interview, he said, what's the most important thing in life? And he said, to tell the truth. And then the interviewer said like, well, do you always tell the truth? And without hesitation, he says, no, but I'm pretty damn good at at reducing the amount of lies I tell. He said, everybody lies. There is not a single person on the planet that never lies. But there are people working hard to really reduce that, right? Because it's, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to share that. because I love that. I want to that back on that. Yeah, go for it.
1: You know, when you were saying, you know, some people like Jordan, some people don't. I'm only new to Jordan Peterson because my husband likes him, listens to him, and has quoted him and things like that. So I've only seen him here and there. But I just think it's important to say, because part of the healing journey, this is important, is take the best and leave the rest or reject the rest. You know, this is part of reclaiming our personal power and really stepping into our whole self is deciding for us. And so I am so open minded and will listen to whatever and whoever. And I will take what feels good. And if something just doesn't align with me somehow, I just toss that out. That's not for me. But there's so much wisdom in the world. There's so much wisdom. And I would even venture to say to anybody listening to this, take the best and leave the rest. You don't have to believe every word I'm saying. I don't don't care. I'm not attached. But I will speak from my heart. I will speak my truth. And I will speak honestly, because if that helps one person at the end of the day, I feel like I've done a good job. Yeah. So I there's that. that piece, and what I really wanted to to highlight again is, you said I'm getting better at it, and this is what I've noticed about the healing journey in general. And I say this all the time: there's never going to be a marching band, fanfare, and fireworks because you get there. Right. You're going to notice your healing because one time, one thing, you notice that you organically did differently. And that means that you are healing because where you might have uh, sent back an assy text to somebody, you just put your phone down or where you might have agreed to go home with that person from the bar on the first date. Yeah, you don't. You're just like, nah, I'm not going to do that. It's these small little steps that we're going to notice when we're healing. And they are so huge that I cannot stress this enough to people. Congratulate yourself, hug yourself, because though we don't know we're healing until yeah. something like that shows up. And then it's like, oh, my gosh. So this whole thing of I'm getting better at it, I'm improving. Um, I, my mom hated lies. I mean, that was the thing. Oh man, you lied. She would not be happy. <laughs> and I had a very loving yeah. mother, but that was something. So I ended up being the ultra tooth truth teller, like the ultra mega Ega truth teller. And a lot of people didn't like that either. So my little people, pleaser are kicked in. Okay. They don't like you. you're being rejected because you're telling the truth. Yeah. So I started to not tell the truth all the time. And then that didn't feel good. So I started to kind of play with this. I'm like, where is the truth pertinent, and where is it really not? Yeah. Like, does it really matter? And so, you know, it's the whole the whole conversation about lies. We could go on and on about. Well,
0: it, what's interesting that you said is uh, piggyback on that because I recently had a, a an experience. It's a great example of what you said, where I caught myself. Right, I was um, at the house of my uh, boy's mom. Right um we're going through a divorce and but it's very amicable and we were doing something in the kitchen and we were talking about our our son kai who had a doctor's appointment and it was something in the private area and you know i told her i said well you know she said well did you look at it and i said well he wants a doctor to look at it i I wouldn't know what i'm looking for but at the same time sure i would look at it and she made a comment you know she made a comment like well but you should be there and you should as the father and da, da 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 right? And what, what it triggered in me was like, oh, great. That's my mom talking to me, right? She's lecturing mm-hmm. me. And I said, uh, okay, thanks, mom, right? I was being sarcastic, uh, passive aggressive, and I could see her reaction. And then it only took me about 15 seconds. And I said, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I just made you wrong. I called you mom, um, not cool. You know, that's, that's my shit. That's what I got to work on. And then she, as a result, that's why I wanted to share this story. What happens is these little miraculous results over time, she says, and you know what? I'm sorry. I I did listen to you from the old paradigm of like, you're not going to be man enough to be there with your son and to actually, you know, be the father that I know you can be or something like that. Right. And so then instantly we were wow. like, you know, 30 seconds later it it was resolved. There was no resentment that was going to get built, right? So that's that's active healing. That's where I had to pat myself on the back and say, "Okay, good. You caught one right there. That could have been like two yes. weeks, a month, lifelong resentment. Fuck you for treating me like I'm your son. You're, you know, you know whatever, right? And so it just made me think of that. If like that's when the fanfare Right. Uh, The certificate of healing shows up. There's no, there's no end to it. It's just little, little moment by moment by
1: moment. Right. And they build on each other. And when I tell you, hug yourself, I literally hug myself. I pat myself on the back. I'm like, go you because (laughs) it, it, right. It's these things that just build up and build up. But I I just want to say something really quick about that radical ownership. Oh my gosh. I cannot say enough about ownership when we take responsibility for our behavior that like you said it almost phew, the whole thing dissipated right there. Yeah. It is that holding on to the thing and wanting to be right and so afraid of being wrong because the hidden shame that we have inside of ourselves already. Yeah. So that's what's like keeping us from looking at that and what we start raising our hand high and go that was my bad. It's like the energy just goes,
0: but it's so hard to do. It's so hard to do because the ego, uh, or just our, like you said, shame has conditioned us to, to never let the guard down. So you look like the weak one or the wrong one or the mistaken one or the, you know, to blame for whatever. And so we just don't do it. And I, I should speak for myself. I, it's like a muscle and unless we start working it out the other way right it's it's a muscle that has been like say contracted unless we start to expand it and like stretch it and go like it's okay it's okay a little little bit every day every day every day suddenly it's a reflex suddenly you say something that's out of context and you're like i'm sorry i didn't mean to say it. i just let me look into that right i'll just apologize for it and and that's it it's over there's no like it doesn't end up in a fucking war a religious yes. cultural world war because somebody's not going to be- want to back down because if they back down they're the weak ones or the the wrong ones, right?
1: Oh my gosh, Roman! And this is so prevalent in men. And you know, I am a huge, huge advocate for the heart of men because I understand how men have been done dirty by society, and that we are so busy. Bringing up the oppression of other sex sectors, S-E-C-T-S, sex of society, we're forgetting about our men. And our men's emotions are suffering terribly. And this is one of the things, this is a symptom of that, is that men are being, don't be weak, don't be a wussy, don't be this, don't be that. And so men aren't free. And then this program's in the brain. I am not free to speak my truth or to talk about my fear or whatever it might be. So, and I'm not going to admit it. So when I do something wrong, I'm not going to admit it. And people are like, Oh, stubborn males, toxic males, pride, all this stuff. No, this is the programming that happened to men. Okay. And the, the stubbornness, the, the pride, whatever these things are, is the symptom of a man not being able to have the space to speak his true heart. But that's all, that's a conversation you guys, you and I need to do one day for sure. (laughs) That's
0: a different, yeah, absolutely. That's a separate one and a deep one that we can, we can take on. And I think it's, uh, it's interesting because we could switch from here. uh, You know, if we go back to ADHD, if you look at most of the Uh, humans diagnosed are male, right? Boys. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen a pattern now over seven years that there's a lot of men who were not in their masculine. And this is a whole nother conversation. People always get triggered about masculine, feminine, because they think it has to do with gender, men, woman. It doesn't. We both have, or any gender, whatever you want to call yourself, any human has both energies, right? Within them. So when I say, you know, I've seen a pattern of men not fully standing in their masculine, but having a, a more feminine energy to yep. them, again, not behavior, not uh, being a woman, not nothing with gender nope. identity, but a fem- more feminine energy in them. That's been a pattern where the sons don't feel safe. They don't know where to stand because they're men, in this case, if it's a boy, right? They're men looking to their fathers, their role model, and what they're not getting intuitively or spiritually, if you will, energetically. They don't feel like their father is grounded in in masculinity, which is certainty, right? Not wavering, not hiding, cheating, and by the way, cheating, it's a whole nother story. Cheating, when men cheat, and I can relate to this because I have, we're in our feminine energy because we're afraid to actually speak up for our needs and to talk about it and bring it up to the table. So that's a man being in feminine energy, right? Um, so the reason why I'm saying that is because, again, these boys look for to their role models to see who do I need to be in this life as a boy... And the feedback they're getting is not what they need. And so they start to feel unsafe. They start to feel like they need to check out. They need to look to their peers for answers. They go to social media, television, drugs, and suddenly it's an addiction. Yes. Oh, it's because of their ADHD. Now they're an addict. That's why, which is not why. But, you know, it's it's all related going back to trauma. And these men, like you said, and I love your stand for men. Uh, it's very refreshing because it's not cool nowadays to say to stand for manhood or healthy masculinity because oh well it's the it's the um patriarchy and and it needs to go down no that's the wrong approach right that's like saying we need to kill one of our own energies which is the masculine inside of us let's kill it good luck with that
1: the masculine is so incredibly serving it is and just backing up a tad, being raised in a household with four brothers and a neighborhood full of boys with rarely any girls, I spent a lot of time around males. And again, being the natural born researcher, I honestly <laughs> just, I came here like this. Um, I watched and I observed, and I saw all of these things happening. And I saw the bullying among men two men. And I saw the encouragement to do things that they shouldn't be doing. I saw so much and I paid attention, but also in a very weird way, y'all is me. I'm a very little, small, petite girl. You don't know that because you can't see me. And here I was with all these boys and all this roughhousing and things. I was, of course, had a little small voice when I was little as well. So I wasn't heard and I had to be in my masculine to be seen, to be heard. So again, this, Mm -hmm. this can get really complicated, but I, I had to get into that masculine. And then I realized that that masculine was not working to help draw forth the masculine in my male, right? Because I had to be that role so many times in my life that I couldn't be the feminine. I am naturally feminine. I'm naturally nurturing. I'm all the things. But I had to was kind of forced my masculine was ahead of it. So to your point, though, about the men and not being able to show up in the way that would really serve their sons, even their daughters as well. OK, because daughters need that strength of their father, too, to stand in that masculine energy, because then I didn't have that. So I didn't know my value. I had no one saying you're amazing. You are you know, don't let that boy do this. I didn't have that. So I didn't know. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: But I'm just going to, I don't want to blame because we are, again, we're innocent human beings doing the very best we can, but I want to call forth all men, all women to heal yourself because a healed person raises really great kids and kids that are more well-rounded or what have you. All kids are great. I'm not trying to say that, but I'm, I know that My ultimate goal in life, Roman, was to to raise my children into high-functioning adults who adore me. And I put on the who adore me because we can raise kids into high-functioning adults and they can't stand us. Yeah. So my ultimate goal was that. But what did I have to do, y'all? Was it reading a book? Was it going to a parenting class? No. It was I healed myself. I, every step of the way, I healed things because guess what? what's going to call forth your wounds. It's your relationships. It's your parenting. It's that career you want. All those things are going to call forth those places (laughs) inside of us that are unhealed. And I was like, seeing things reflected back for me from my kids. I'm like, "Mm, don't want that for them. I need to shift that inside of me. And it was me healing me.
0: Yeah. I love that.
1: Be a great parent.
0: Yeah. And I love, I just want to highlight that. Um, because part of our movement is there's three steps one is um you know your child's not the problem second or or a problem is not a problem or broken right the second one is heal your shit for the parents wow and then the third is honor your child and you can't do them out of order you can't say well i do honor my child but i'm not healing my shit right i don't have time to do this spiritual woo woo stuff um or you can say well my child is broken but we'll give him medication and now I'm honoring him right or it just you you have to go in that order and I love what you said because I I'm a big believer especially when it comes to ADHD or any disorder any what we call mental disorder in this world and you said something earlier about uh disconnecting from yourself or fragmenting yourself, I yeah. forgot how you said it, right? But yeah. I'm a big believer that that's what happens with any mental disorder. There is a moment in a child's life, um rarely happens in adulthood, it's always childhood, there's a moment when we decide to either be outside of our body, outside of our, our persona, create a second persona, right, which a people pleaser is, and that moment is crucial because we we start to create that disorder because the order is you being at home with who you are, you staying in your body, you staying in you, right? And so what you said is crucial because when parents start healing their traumas, it heals their children, right? The, the nervous system that your nervous system starts to regulate, you become a regulated human or somebody mm-hmm. who knows how to regulate yourself back to calm they always co-regulate with you. They're always docking with us, like a spaceship, right? They're always docking. <laughs> Love that. When right? When they're docking with it dysregulated, then they're dysregulated. And now you have these symptoms of like, can't sit still, can't focus, restless, all that stuff. Oh, let's label it. It's it's a disorder. So it's kind of a, a circle that's not doing us any good in society because we keep just pointing at the broken ones or yes. the disorders, right? Versus p- pointing at the the trauma. And I'm not blaming parents solely. It's the environment. It's everything in our environment. But as parents, because we spend most of the waking hours, well, maybe not today anymore, but used to with our children, we have the biggest influence and therefore we go first, right?
1: You know, Roman, I could listen to you speak for hours. I love the way you put things and I love your heart. And I just, I just love the way you speak. What I was thinking is, that there's two, there's two things that we can do. One is I owned in my parenting that I'm not perfect. First, I'm not perfect. Mm. I'm not I have no idea what I'm doing. This I've never been handed a baby or a 14 year old or a 20 year old. I don't know. Okay. And each one's different. So add that little factor in there. They're all different. (laughs) And number two, that they don't they didn't come with a manual. So there's going to be some missteps along the way. There's going to be some flubs ups. There's going to be some things that I'm going to do. One of the biggest things that happened for me as a parent is I read in a book, apologize to your kid. I was like, what? Oh my, literally mind blown. Sounds so ridiculous, especially in today's culture. So let's go back 29 years ago. Apologize to your kid. I was like, oh my God. I was never apologized to, but that would have been really nice if I was apologized to. Yeah. So when I did something that was less of a person that I would want to be, my lower self, I remember the first time I apologized to my kid, my son and my daughter were, at their 19 months apart. They were in her bedroom and I walked in and I said, guys, and I apologized for whatever it was that I did. I don't remember. And they both look, looked at me with so much love And so much compassion, they were like, oh, it's okay, mommy. I said, now the thing I was trying to tell you, that's still true. I just didn't go about it right. When I, Mm -hmm. I wrote here while you were speaking, I wrote open heart and open mind. Mm -hmm. When we can show up to our children's with an open heart and an open mind, we are providing the beautiful classroom for all of us to grow together in. Because I grew up with my kids. I'm a little smarter, a little older, a little bit more wisdom, a little bit more experiences, right? But I had an open mind. I wanted to hear what they had to say. And the open heart means that when it's your bad, you say my bad. So circling back to that just for a second, we have a thing in my household that we try to do, which the minute we do a fuck up, for lack of a better word, just something we shouldn't have done or said something or acted in a way. And if the, if we're called out on it, the plan is to say, my bad. Just radical, complete ownership in that moment, because why do people argue? People argue because they want to be right. They want to be heard. They were somehow disrespected, dishonored, whatever it might be. And we're like, Hey, and the other person's like, I didn't do that. And then this big fight, because we just want that respect. Think about that with your children too. My bad. Yeah. That is so soothing to the soul and to a relationship. We can just own our stuff rapidly. And guess what? If there's an argument with a kid or something happening, nervous systems go up. They can't not. That's the way yep. we're designed. Yep. We might come down. That kid's still up. Okay. My dad was a screamer. And when he screamed at us, I'm the young, innocent kid. I'm powerless to my father. Okay. I'm powerless Mm -hmm. to my mother. We all are to our elders. But so when they come at us, that's, that's very attacking feeling. Our nervous system goes up, right? The dad's over it. He's moved on watching Sanford and sons. And now we're still walking around the house, shaking, waiting for the next thing to happen. Yeah. If, And that point, if a mother, father, whoever comes in and says, I am so sorry, my bad, I should not have yelled at you. I am working on this. We're already decreasing the height of the system. Yeah,
0: that's, it's so great. I've observed that with our sons, uh, especially Kai, who's the older, who's the sort of teen, teenager now, right? There's been a few moments very noticeable over the last couple of years where he would yell or say something a bit abruptly or you know go slam his door not in a very dramatic he's not a super oh, dramatic I get it. <laughs> right but then he would come back in about a two minutes and say i'm sorry dad i didn't i yelled at you and at that moment i realized oh we've been modeling that right because sometimes i would make him wrong or i would be saying something i'm like oh, that's that's not how i would talk to a human being like an adult right and I would go back and I would say, "Sorry, Kai. I, I just got angry and irritated. It's it's not you. I just it's been a stressful day, and I shouldn't have said that. I, I'm sorry. You know." So that apology that you mentioned, yeah, it's it's huge, and it's it's again the ego that needs to just step out of the way, and we have to just put our focus on love. What do you want love. here? You want to be right, or do you want to be loving? You can't. You can only be either. You can't be both at the same time. Either you get to be righteous or loving and we get to choose and it's, it's hard.
1: What's your hill to die on? You know, what's your hill to die on? Is my hill to die on that I need to argue into the ground, whether a child did the dishes on time or whatever? No. And I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm i yeah. not going to go above and beyond in something like that. In fact, I'm going to be real honest. There's been some hardcore things that have happened in me raising these three kids virtually by myself, because their dads are pretty much absent. And in each of those moments, it never served to raise my voice. The calmer I was, the more they came to their own conclusions. And guess what that is, experience healed is wisdom. Mm -hmm. That's the words of Dr. Joe Dispenza. I cannot own that, but it's beautiful. Yeah. So I remember one time when when uh, my daughter, she went to a friend's house, they snuck out, they went to a park, they had their first drinking experience because some neighbor kid brought vodka. And the next day she comes home and she tells me and I because I had cultivated this relationship where they could tell me the truth. Yeah. And I sat there and I said, OK, and we talked. I said, how did it make you feel? It was scary. It was this. OK, tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me. I don't want to do it again. I didn't like it. Blah, blah, blah. Guess what? She never snuck out again and she didn't drink. That wasn't her go-to. She learned. Did I, did I punish her? Nope. Did I ground her? Nope. I had a heart to heart conversation instead of lecturing and doing these things. I allowed her to do this. And guess what? Not only did she get the wisdom from it, we bonded even closer.
0: Wow. I love that. And, you know, I'm approaching that those ages soon Uh, Kai is 14, Etienne's 11. And I'm looking forward to doing what you said. And I've always told this to my kids. If you're out, I don't care where you're at, what time it is. If you need a ride, do not drive tired or drunk or anything. Call me. I'll show up with like an Uber driver. I'll bring Red Bull water, chewing gum. I'll be there, right? (laughs) Because I don't care. You call me at 3 a.m., I'll pick you up. Your safety is priority over me getting sleep on that day you know? Absolutely. And so so then I've, I've already had to prove that twice. And it was just a harmless sleepover. He wanted to go to a sleepover. And then he realized, I don't really want to stay the night. It was like 1.30am. He's like, I really want to sleep in my own bed. And he called me and I was like, of course, son, I'll be there. I told you, right? The more we do that, and there's a consistency, and there's a showing up, they're going to count on that and they're going to see that that's rare in the world, right? The, the integrity of I do what I say, I promise I'll be there. I'm not going to judge you and go, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, now I got to pick you up. It's more like, no, I'm picking you up. I'm here, you know.
1: What we're doing is we're providing a safe space. Yeah. We're providing a safe emotional space for them. I did a similar thing with my son. He was in high school. He's now 27, but he was in high school and it was 420 weed day, whatever that's called.
0: Yeah. And
1: he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with, you know, Joe and Bob. I don't even, he's not even friends with these kids anymore. So I don't know their name. And after school, I said, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden I had told him all along, I had said, anytime you're in a situation you don't like, it's uncomfortable. I said, send me a text and I will come at it. And he goes, Okay. So he sent me a text. He said, I don't like the situation I'm in. It was something like they, they were, he had never smoked weed before. This was the first time they, and they were like, whatever they were saying, but they're like, well, I'm, if we get caught, I'm going into the Navy. So we're going to blame, blame it all on you. And he's not, he wasn't the person that brought it, bought it, anything. Mm. And he didn't like that. So he texted me. He goes, tell me I need to come home. And I said, you just send me a text. You delete it. I railed this kid. I don't rail him. And I was like, where are you? And this is all in text, and I gnarly yeah. text, just like some crazed mother. Where he, and he showed his friends. And he was like, yeah, I got to go. And it was like, he didn't clean your room. You didn't do your dishes. It's not even who I am. <laughs> but yeah. I knew that he needed that safe space. And yeah. so I went and picked him up. I said, meet me on this corner, whatever. I picked him up. He gets in the car and he goes, just in there like it's nothing. Like he's going to go home and make a sandwich. I go, well, what was that all about? He told me, but he... He felt so good because first of all, I didn't need to go over and explain himself. I didn't lecture him. This is life. These things are going to come up for them. Yeah. How are we going to show up for them?
0: Absolutely. And by the way, talking about showing up, I made a note earlier. You said that with your children, their fathers aren't really present in their lives, right? Weren't really present. Again, that's a huge factor, right? When, when raising children, because see how I say this. So first of all, a man not being present in their children's lives is also a man being in the feminine, because it's avoiding, it's running, it's hiding, but it's mainly avoiding responsibility, right? And I struggled with this, right? As I'm going through a divorce, when we first separated, it was this weird thing of like, How do I show up? When do I show up? How much time do I spend there? As there was still a lot of anger at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Do I stay out of the way? Do I just go away for a while? All these questions. And I see a lot of my friends that are in divorces, uh, men who are just like, fuck it. I'm moving to Montana. I'm buying a cabin. I'm out. Right. I'm like, well, what about your, your daughter? Oh, it'll, it's fine. I'll just, you know, they they don't have a plan, but really they're running they're running from responsibility, right? Your responsibility is you at the time decided to create a child or to be reckless or irresponsible when having sex and now you have a child. Whatever the situation is, you have a child. And to just go away and not be present in that child's life without blame, to me it's just again showing that our society uh, uh, or whether it's men or women, I mean we can talk about this chicken or the egg, uh, we have created a society of men that are not in the masculine, that are not standing with certainty and honoring, you know, their responsibilities. And I know it's hard. I mean, I wrestle with it, but I invite men, if you're listening and you're a man, to face up and to be present and to really be there for your children, whether you're divorced whether it's nasty or amicable whether you're just separated or it doesn't matter being present doesn't always mean like physically being there every day right but really being present no it doesn't it's it's not just that right and so so that to me again the absence of a, of a man man's certainty or the absence of love and this this goes for women too for mothers too like right? the the lack of nurture Um, that mothers struggle with, uh, especially in previous uh, generations, I know my mom did and her mom did, that lack also creates this feeling of unsafety, of unloved uh, uncertainty in a child, whether it's a boy or a girl. And if we can kind of get a handle on those things and really have the masculine step into certainty and the feminine nurture and really have that dance, right, then we're raising healthier children because they're not going to be confused who they are. Am I masculine, feminine? Am I man, woman? Am I trans? Am I safe? Am I not safe? It's all, to me, they're all symptoms of simply not feeling loved, not feeling safe in our skin, in our who we are, right?
1: I want to just go back to you saying that whether a man leaves or the mother, either one that creates what I call, this is my terminology, the scarlet letter of abandonment. Yep. And that is one of the w- worst wounds that a kid can feel. Yes. Because kids, we, kids see everything their parents as doing as a reflection of how good or bad they are.
0: Yes. 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 I can, I'm saying yes, and I'm raising my hand, which listeners can't see. And I just want to quickly intersect, and please continue after this. But I just want to say also that it doesn't always have to be a physical leaving. The the emotional absence as well, in my case, my parents were still together and left, didn't leave, right? One of them didn't leave. But the emotional absence or the inability to be there present emotionally, spiritually, and all that is just as, I don't want to say damaging, but impactful, Right.
1: Yeah. And I call, I call it the, I don't matter wound and I'm doing air quotes right now. It's the, I don't matter wound yeah. because somehow we process their behavior as I don't matter. So yeah. what happens when we feel like we don't matter, we go out into the world and we try to make ourselves matter. And this is yes. circling back to getting, trying to get love, approval, acceptance, and attention. So this is why some girls, you know, it's, if a girl figures out that she's pretty or has a nice body and so she starts to get a attack tra- um sorry excuse me you guys attention from that, guess what she's going to do? She could go flaunt that thing around and then she's going to start being promiscuous because now I feel like I'm valuable. Yes. There's something about me that people like, "Okay, let me go be more of that." Yes. The same is true for like let's say someone's a class clown. They start to make the class laugh a couple of times. They're okay. I am valuable when I'm funny. So they start wearing the mask of the class clown. See what I'm saying? So all of these dysfunctional, disempowered behaviors that we end up with, okay, because the brain somehow does its little, you know, little Scooby Doo to get us Mm -hmm. into a place where, (laughs) like, this is how you're going to get your love, approval, acceptance, and attention. Yeah. Then all those are. Are symptoms of us feeling like we don't matter.
0: Absolutely, and you know what's funny? I always make that joke, and it really hit me one day when I, because I have the same wound, right? I have the I don't matter. Mine is shows up more a little bit more like I'm not good enough. Yeah, but it's it's all related. Yeah, um, it's all lack of love or fear of abandonment. Yeah. And I realized when people say I don't matter, what's interesting scientifically, we cannot not matter because we're made of matter, so we matter. There's right? that. <laughs> it's funny to look at it that way. But so, oh, I don't matter. I'm, I don't have a place in the universe. Yes, we all do. We're here. So we do matter. Now, do we feel loved or maybe we we were abandoned? I get that. Yes, we feel unloved or loved or whatever, right? But to to try to fill that, like you said, with external validation, it comes down to validation, right? Right. Um, to validate that I matter, to validate that I'm good enough or that I'm worthy of love. Um, that is pretty much what's running our world. I mean, all our addictions are based on that, uh, trying to fill that void. And we're all addicted to something. Uh, just yes. like just like none of us tell the truth 100% of the time, but we run around trying to pretend, especially in politics, right? Or in higher ranks that oh this is the perfect role model this is the guy who has integrity this is the good politician the, this guy tells the truth we all know intuitively that most politicians are full of shit because if not they wouldn't be in politics because the politics innately is from the, from the inside is inauthentic that's why it's called oh he's being so political you know um or politically incorrect but you know my point is here that we If we just stop, like you said, if we just stop and we start doing the healing one little moment at a time, right? If we just disrupt or interrupt our little automatic reflex of lying or hiding or people-pleasing or checking out, numbing out, and we say, you know what, let me not do this, let me not binge-watch tonight, because I didn't feel good doing it last time. Let me, maybe with the kids some more, or let me write in my journal, those little disruptions, that's the healing, right?
1: yeah yes yes you know we are the walking wounded
0: Mm.
1: all of us every single one of us even the politicians okay there might be somebody like um i don't even know i don't even know maybe jesus was the only person that you know i don't know but for the most part we are all the walking wounded because we've all had these experiences like i explained in the beginning with the brain waves and coming up and becoming conscious of the of the external world And I feel like our only job here is to return back to that whole self. And seeking love, approval, acceptance, and attention is a bottomless pit. It is a bottomless abyss. You will never fill it. It is an insatiable beast because you are looking for the cure in the wrong place.
0: Yeah, that's like uh, Gabor Mate has that book in the realm of the hungry ghosts, right? They're like hungry ghosts. You can't, they're not going to be satiated with, you can go deeper, faster, harder, nothing is going to matter.
1: We cannot get it from the outside world period. And I often explain this as the worthiness cup, that we have a worthiness cup with a bottom on it that swings. Okay, when we come here, that cup is full. As we start to take in all this information and traumas and things from the outside world, the bottom pops up and all of our worth drains out. And because the out we think the outside world took it away, we think the outside world has to put it back. Yeah. So we keep going. But yet we're just one one hit of approval after another. We're just like a junkie just trying to get one hit of approval after another. Yeah. And it never works. So what do we do? The cure is to pop that bottom up on the worthiness cup and start to give ourselves love, approval, acceptance, and attention that's the work that's Let's that's it literally. right there and when we do that that is the only cure it is what i call the miracle cure yeah. when we start to give that it, we have to make that shift in our head that we cannot get it from the outside world i recently watched sly on netflix have you oh seen yeah
0: it? no not yeah. yet but i heard good oh things about so it.
1: good so oh, good. good and also i watched the arnold schwarzenegger one yep and but the sly one and I, i'm gonna paraphrase but at some point in the conversation he was talking about, because he had just an a-hole father, just a complete a-hole father. And I don't remember what the situation was his, with his mom, but I don't think that was super great either. And he said that he the approval from the fan society, you know, his fame, that's what kept him going, 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 going. He goes, but I realized, he goes, I wish I didn't have that. Because it's like, it's never, it will never fill me. And I chased yeah. that. This is the most important part. Yeah. I chased that at the expense of my wife and children. Wow. Now he didn't use those words. He basically said, I almost lost. It took me almost losing what was most dear to me to realize how valuable it was. So this yeah. is what happens, but we're all unconscious. We're just, we don't even know we're doing these things until something shows up in our life that's we can't deny Like for me, it was being, you know, uh, uh, being, uh, my husband, my narcissistic abusive husband, abandoning the family and leaving me homeless with three kids in tow. That was my wake up call.
0: Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. And, you know, going back to, um, ADHD, I just had a great conversation again with my boy's mom um, Tatiana, it was, it was really interesting because we talked about, cause we had started this, this whole project, you know, ADHDs over together. Um, and we're going to see it through together, but there was an interesting moment where I said to her, look, we're not telling parents, first of all, that we have the answer, or that we have the truth. We're not, we're not experts in such a sense in a disorder medical sense, but what we are telling parents is that if Parents accept the invitation, the challenge to heal themselves first. I've seen it. I've seen other people do it. I've, I almost guarantee you that your children's ADHD symptoms will dissolve over time. And it's not that they're directly related. It's not to say, oh, because of your trauma, that's what caused the ADHD. We'll never be able to prove that. But what do we have to lose by, as parents, starting to heal our traumas, our our wounds, right? Because our kids are going to get better. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Why are we just slapping a pill on it and go back to our jobs we hate, our rat race, and stay in our marriages that are dysfunctional often, right? What are we waiting for? What do you think we're waiting for, Kristen?
1: I I think people want quick and easy answers. I think they want the quick fix and the magic pill. Yeah. And I don't believe that's the purpose of us here on planet Earth. I don't believe that is. Now, I do believe in Western medicine. I believe in Eastern medicine. I do. Everything has its place. But when it comes to certain things, I feel like we and Dr. Joe Dispenza will say this, that our brain is a pharmacy. And it has everything we need to not only heal the physical body, but the emotional and mental body as well. I want to tell a quick story really quick. My youngest had the abandonment of her father, like true blue abandonment. Like he bailed and never came back. He was gone for seven years before he reentered her life. And I remember the moment that that happened and I lost it because I knew what was happening. I knew Scarlet Mm -hmm. letter of abandonment. I fucking knew. And I watched it and I was like, I, I freaked out, but anyway, not in front of her. I, gave her to the big kids and I said I need to go upstairs and I lost my shit because I knew what happened in that moment. So not only that then she has um you know grandma's sick like just a lot of lot of traumatic type things that had happened to her. Now me not knowing yet what I know now for one thing. Um she started to really struggle in school, she couldn't focus, you know, all these things and blah 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 then we just she couldn't read I mean it was just really 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 tough then she's getting more trauma on top of the trauma because she's now got you know she's feels dumb and stupid in school and embarrassed now she's fleeing the classroom
0: yeah. and
1: she went to the nurse some crazy amount of times in her in her um, elementary school years Anyway, during this time we discover she has a vision skills issue. Okay. What that means is that her eye was her her seeing mechanism of her eye isn't fully formed yet. It was a developmental thing. It is not like uh what's that other one? Dyslexia. It's not like dyslexia. And mm-hmm. that's like stays with you for life. This is something we'll fix, but things weren't lining up on the page. It was very like she literally couldn't read because she nothing was in line or do math. So once we discover this, okay, but now she's now got all this extra stuff okay she got abandoned of her father's stuff trauma and then she's got this extra stuff from school trauma and her nervous system is through the roof and i'm watching all of these things well at one point her fifth grade teacher said to me she goes she goes she has adhd and i said no she doesn't and she goes yeah this is what this is and i said no she doesn't she has a vision skills issue and we're working on this And I'm helping this child calm her nervous system. And that is exactly what I did. Not only that, during COVID, she was getting very depressed right before COVID because that was going into her freshman year. She had all these plans for the summer and she was feeling all big going to be a freshman. And then, boom, she's stuck at home. And she said to me, Mom, I'm really depressed. I need to be on meds. And I said, no. And every single day, Roman, I put that kid, it makes me cry. I put her in the car with me. And we Mm -hmm. drove for two hours. Wow. And we talked and we talked and we talked. And I sat there and let her share everything that she had to share and feelings. I did not think Rome was going to be built in a day. I did not try to fix her. I validated her emotions. I let her express and get this energy out of her body. I let her cry, get mad, say things about me if she needed to. Other times we're listening to music, air guitaring and air drumming she, she, it healed her depression. Wow. Right. So now again, I'm not saying I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice. People need to do what they need to do. But I'm just saying that if we can show up to our children in a way that they need, and how do we know that way that they need you guys? What did you need? Yeah. That, what did I need? I needed that. That's That's what I needed. So that's what I gave her.
0: That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I acknowledge you for Truly uh, presenting us here with a, with an example of aware parenting, right? Conscious parenting. Cause all that is conscious parenting just means it's not a fancy spiritual new age term that you go get a certificate and, nope. you know, uh, it's really just being aware, being conscious of what's needed in the moment. And I, I think what you did there is beautiful because it reminds me of Gabor Mate once said in one of our interviews that when kids act out. It's like charades. They don't know how to express it necessarily if they're young, but they're acting out. They're trying to tell us something. Yes. It's not that they're little assholes.
1: No. They're,
0: they're not. And we don't listen. We are told by society, oh, if they're acting out, you got to do this, or you got to just put them in a corner, or you just got to, you know, uh, take away their uh, uh, whatever pocket money. Xbox. or you know, yeah. Punish. Punish is basically the answer versus being there, being present, and actually doing what you just described, which is creating a safe space for them to be who they are in that moment. And that's freedom, right? Like you said earlier, that's like you being seen for for all of you, not judged, not made wrong for, oh, this is bad, this is good. You're a good girl here, you're a bad girl there. All that fades away and they go like, this is such a great space. Who else is gonna provide that space? None of their peers, none of their peers' parents. That's going to pretty much ensure us as parents, they're going to come to us when there's difficult situations, which trust me, we all want that. We don't want them to go run into some, uh, your young daughter, run into some man's arms and find it there, right? Or or some other uh, person that's not family. Uh, so I think that's amazing. Uh, thanks for, I know you told this story before, and I think about it often because Kai and I will go on a drive and it'll take a few minutes and then he puts his phone down and then he suddenly busts out something totally authentic and like deep, you know? And I'm like, Oh, we're talking. Okay. All right. This is cool. Right. And so they I love are.
1: It. They're cool as shit. I mean, yeah. it's so cool.
0: They, yeah. they can open, I mean, he can open up about a topic. Suddenly we're talking about sex and relationships yes. and women and family. And he's 14 and I'm in the car and I'm internally going like, yes, those are the conversations I want to have, but I, personally like you said i don't know what i'm doing i wasn't sure when too soon not a, like when do i do well they'll tell us they'll tell us you know what he told me yesterday this is so cool he'll kill me when he's older and listens to this podcast <laughs> he said to me we had to go check something out in his private area and it was totally fine he was just freaking out you know because they're starting to look look yes. there yes and uh on the way back he says dad i just I, I just wanted to do it because I, I guess he felt bad that we were going to the doctor and I said, no, don't worry about it. it. Cause the doctor said it's nothing. Right. He said, well, I just, it's really important to me because my biggest dream is to have my own kids one day. And then we had an amazing conversation around that. It's like, that's, he felt safe to say that. Right. Yes, he, he did. And how beautiful. And then I told his mom and she's like, Oh my God. And you know, so they just opened up another, next time we could talk about having kids how do you have kids and how does you know be careful when you right you can start to bring in those difficult conversations versus one day say son so you're going to probably have sex soon so just make sure you wear a condom you know it's like what it's so mechanical right anyway but I love that story thanks for sharing that I know we're sort of getting to the end here yeah um I, we, we pretty much talked in a circle around ADHD, trauma, people pleasing, parenting. And I think is a beautiful, uh, a circle because it's all connected. Yeah. Right. It's not one thing isn't isolated. ADHD, isn't just a disorder, a thing you have in your brain and you take medication and not that thing is taken care of trauma. Isn't something you go do therapy for two years and you're good. You know, parenting isn't like something that you read a book and you're like, I got it figured out. I'm the good mom. All of it is a process. And I think what you've shared, what we've talked about, shows so clearly that this work is forever. This doesn't end here, you know. And I would invite people, first of all, get Chris Kristen's book, The Recovering People Pleaser on Amazon. Highly recommended. not just because she's a dear friend, but I read it and it's it's just so easy to read. And it's so full of gems. I had to highlight so many things. I think there was a term, was it was it University of Kristen or was it? Was it College, of <laughs> College
1: of Kristen.
0: College of Kristen. I had to laugh because it is, you know, we're getting educated in ourselves, right? We're getting a degree in ourselves if we take on the work. And you certainly are a beautiful showcase of that. And I pride myself in also going to the University of Roman, right? Yes um scholarship included and uh
1: you're getting a phd in me that's what i tell people get a phd in me
0: i love it i love it a phd in me how great is that and it starts like we talked about it starts with that first step sign up for the phd by disrupting your own egos defense mechanisms one moment at a time and just disrupt
1: the pattern disrupt the pattern
0: Exactly. And for those of you listening, I also highly recommend Kristen as a healer, mentor, coach. Um, She's amazing. She's produced results in people's lives, families. Um, I personally have my own coach. I think great coaches have coaches. So uh, I'll have a a link in the show notes uh, to your work, to the book, the coaching and all that good stuff. So... Just want to uh, say one more time, it's always so good to be in your presence, inspiring, educational, and just uplifting. So thank you for making time.
1: Thank you, Roman. I, I, You know, I love to play with you. I love to hang out with you. And I, we always have the most beautiful conversations. And I just want to say one last thing to any parents that are listening, that the fact that you're listening to this, the fact that you made it through this episode, that you're even subscribed to Roman's podcast, you're going to make it. You're going to make it because you are information seeker. You're going to do it. Your heart is open. Your mind is open. You're you're taking more information and you're willing to look to disrupt the system a little bit and to look at alternatives. And I commend you and you should give yourself a really big pat on the back.
0: Mm. I love that. I love that. I would definitely agree with that. I think anyone willing to uh, travel on the road, less traveled and continuously searching for answers solutions uh they're going to make it you know yes. That's, yes. That's, that's what you and I've been doing right yes. and can we say we made it or our kids turned out we don't know my kids are only 14 11 years or what in their 20s right
1: i had 29 27 and 18 but they're they're doing amazing we're close yeah. that's all that
0: matters we're very close yeah and we don't know where they're going to be at 30 or 40 but it doesn't matter because there's love there's understanding there's connection uh, there's human beings that are you know like you said they appreciate you right they mm-hmm. they they love their parents they you know for the most part right they they're like i have a good life i yeah. think that's what we're all after right and so i agree with you whoever's listening to this podcast for sure is a seeker and is willing to yes. look at the the less you know the i call it the quieter bullhorn of the alternative approach so love it Yay! Well, thank you for listening, Kristen. Thanks for being here again. Where I know thanks, we're going to be more. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Roman. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon.